0: Hey everyone, Jean Ginsburg here on another episode of Listen by Jean Ginsburg, And today, very excited. I have a special guest, Elizabeth Shields. How are you?
1: Good, thanks so much for having me.
0: Awesome, thanks for being here. I'm, I'm very excited to learn what about what you're doing, about your entrepreneurial journey. So let's uh, jump right in. So tell us about your background.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I started out as a wedding planner in the Pacific Northwest, and I was working. And we would produce about 150 weddings a year um, between the market. Um, we're in basically Seattle, Portland, and Bend, Pacific Northwest. And uh, a couple years ago, we were looking for some technology and we just couldn't find what we were needing to help streamline the wedding planning process. So that, you know, when working with clients and their vendors to produce and get to that big, you know, beautiful wedding day. So my uh, co-founder and I, Nora, we ended up just very naively saying, let's build technology for our company and that snowballed into a company called rock paper coin. Um, that is a form that is, you know, bringing together vendors and engaged couples to do the contract and invoicing process. Um, so, you know, as some of your listeners may know, the, the wedding industry is made up of small to medium sized businesses right now. And a lot of our, um, you know, just looking for technology that's specific to the industry. So we went on a roller coaster of a ride to get to this point, but we are now excited to have, you know, one platform where businesses come and be that burden off of like working with suppliers and saving people time and money.
0: Wow. So that is, um, that's a great way to, to create a business for yourself is just finding a need, right? Like, you know, scratch the the itch. That basically is what we're saying here. So how, when did you create the actual software? Like how long ago was that?
1: Yeah, about three years ago, we were, you know, commiserating over that. Our job had to be sitting for any wedding planning, listening, I'm sure you, you know, those pain points all too well. Um, and we, we really just did like, let's test out a bunch of software that's on the market. And so we did that for a year and, and really was built for the industry. So nothing really worked, um, to help streamline it, just kind of further like a disconnect and then we went in and did a ton of market research. Um, We talked to actually 300 wedding planners nationwide, so it took a lot of time to just kind of get our head wrapped around of what we wanted to build and from there, we got a prototype, started doing some testing, and we just launched um, last August officially, but we used it internally for three months to flush out as many bugs as possible. And then kind of in November, went more like with a nationwide you know, public um, launch. So um, just hit our one year, um, which has been exciting and um, kind of a, a crazy ride. <laughs>
0: Wow! Well, congratulations. It's now that it's been a year. So, how is this different? How does software different? Let's say from like the Knot or other big um, softwares or I guess or companies out there that are in the space. Yeah.
1: yeah great question. So the Knot and WeddingWire are awesome. They are, you know. B2C. So they are really going after the couples that are engaged and getting married. And they're kind of a marketplace of saying, like, hey, here's you know a bunch of vendors you can reach out to. So more of like a, a resource um, for those engaged couples where we really Different is um, we are B2B, so we're you know promoting and going after the businesses in the wedding industry. So if you're a florist, a baker, a wedding planner, photographer, we are streamlining that workflow. So when a you know couple that is coming to you and wants to book your services, it's an automated process. So you no longer have to send out like payment reminders. You don't have to ask them to print and sign a contract and mail it back to you. We're going to take that and make it a complete completely digital experience. You know, the, the millennials and Gen Z that are coming up and getting married, they've only known an industry with technology. So really, the the wedding industry does have to change at this moment in time to be serving this new type of client. Um, having a checkbook is just not something that like millennials or Gen Zs are going to have readily available. But they are going to have their phone. So they still want to sign contracts and they still want to make payments. They just want to do it on their phone. So we just, we are working to kind of take the businesses. Keep their system still in place, but move it digital. So then, the couples who are now wanting to book their services, they have that digital, mobile experience that they can—they've always wanted.
0: Right, right. That's so true. Yes, I guess people who are getting married are now younger millennials and Gen Zs for the most part, right now. <laughs> but yes, right. absolutely. There, they grew up on all the stuff. They grew up in a digital space and digital world before you and I (laughs) grew up more in an analog space. uh, So I could totally understand that. So what was the inspiration behind it? I mean, was it just that you felt like there wasn't really any marketplace like this for vendors in your industry?
1: Yeah, exactly. There just wasn't anything that was built for the businesses. Um, I think the wedding industry has a lot that's built for the couples getting married. And so we really wanted to take that opportunity to streamline, I mean, not only our, our workflow personally at our company, but in addition, you know, the, the retail rates to pay for, you know, big box subscriptions, um, it, it's just really hard as a small business owner to, you know, pay out, you know, $250 a month here, five, you know, $500 a year here, and it, it all adds up and eats into your profitability. So we thought, well, what if we bring, you know, all of these businesses under one roof, We go out and then we work with the providers and we secure bigger discounts. So, you know, right now our payment provider, we've partnered with Stripe because we have all of these, you know, payments being processed now under one roof, our payment, you know, processing fee to these is two and a half percent. So we're passing along these discounts, you know, for the contract services, the invoicing, um, they can get them now at a bigger discount because we're going out and negotiating on their behalf, you know, as one big group. So there's just a lot more, um, you know, leverage that we have to help these small companies um, be more profitable and streamline their businesses.
0: Right. And what was the inspiration for the name?
1: Yeah, the the name, you know, it was um, pretty funny. We originally were just paper coin or like paper being, you know, contracts, coin being the payment. And um, we sat on it for like months and we were constantly Googling it, having our friends Google it. Well, somebody came in and bought the domain and then tried to come back and sell it to us for like a crazy amount of money. So we were like, so sad. And um, we had a big list of other names that we were, working. With. so Nora and I were like, okay, let's just, you know, rock, paper, scissors for this. And it just kind of hit us. we were like, oh my gosh, like rock, paper, coin, you know, rock engagement ring, like kind of can play into this, but then, you know, paper, coin, it's a name that is enough that it could go into other like sector businesses. It's not being specific. So we kind of put on it and, um, and loved
0: it. Wow. That's really cool. I, I think I can see the correlation, you know, rock engagement rings. That's kind of a cool name. I, I was just, when I saw it, I was like, what is the, what was behind that? How did you come up with uh, such a unique name for a company that does software for businesses in the wedding space, you know, so <laughs> totally. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so you mentioned a little bit about what's been going on the last year. And of course, with the changes in the pandemic, um, how has that affected your business? I mean, obviously, uh, weddings kind of had to be canceled for the most part in 2020, or at least become totally. very, very small. So what has, how has that impacted your, your industry and your um, business?
1: Yeah, it, it's crazy. Like weddings are traditionally recession-proof. Um, you know, as was evident kind of through 2007 and nine, it's really just like that once in a lifetime event. So people are willing to splurge and they've saved for, you know, for many years. Um, but COVID, it really served like a big piece of humble pie to the industry um and it really you know hit home when the stay at home orders went into place um and it brought all of those like celebratory gatherings to a halt it was something that the industry had never experienced before so with a lot of these you know small to medium-sized businesses a majority of them are creative you know, so this this sent this sent everybody into like a big scramble, um, trying how to stay afloat, move to virtual appointments. A lot of businesses are not necessarily like up to date with their technology and um, kind of digital, you know, footprint for their business. So it really worked on a lot of businesses. Um, it's an industry that thrives on being in person. So, you know, now that we're, you know, kind of at the end of this year, um, there's there's really no, like, big certainty to, like, hang our hats on. I think, you know, obviously with the positive, like, vaccine information that's coming out, there's hope for a good 2021, but I think what, you know, has been great to see is that a lot of businesses took this COVID break to learn technology um, and streamline their, their kind of workflow um, to have more technology in place. I think that's been the thing that we've like really seen across the industry Um, There's more, you know, obviously there's a million Zoom meetings, but there's now virtual tours that are happening at venues. Um, More people are accepting, you know, and doing online invoicing and and digital payments, um, electronic, you know, contracts. Those were all things that were not common in the wedding industry. So, watching that unfold has been really um, pretty amazing that the, the industry as a whole is resilient. And yes, there will be fallout that is devastating, you know, in any creative space. Um, but a lot of people have worked really hard to make sure that when things can come back, um, that their business practices are you know, the best that they can be.
0: Right. That's so true. And I hope that that's been happening and, and these small businesses in the wedding space have been moving towards more of a digital and technical space uh, because that's definitely been, I'm going forward in general in like the industry, I mean, just in, in business, I guess I would say in general. So I'm hoping that, yeah, they're taking the time to do that because that is such a big piece of it, right? And that's what you're also offering to them is that having that digital presence, or I guess digital transformation, if you will. This podcast is brought to you by the Digital Marketing Method monthly group coaching program, your methodology for growing your business and your social media following. Join me and my group of supportive entrepreneurs and learn how you can grow your business and your social media following where we cover topics such as Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, email marketing, and so much more. Go to dmgroup.online, dmgroup.online.
1: Yeah, it was an interesting time. We launched at the end of, you know, 2019 wedding season and so we were so excited to have like a big 2020 wedding season and that just you know didn't happen and so we were scrambling you know internally to figure out like what do we do like how can we pivot but we saw early on in April and May that our sign up and adoption rate was just skyrocketing and we were like oh wait I guess now more people have time they're not you know you know, head down, working super hard on these weddings and executing them and spending long hours, you know, on site, they have more time now to be adopting new technology. So we kind of wedged ourselves in at this really interesting opportunity where yes, like our transactions, you know, are smaller at their deposits. We're not seeing those big transactions happen for the industry. But the signups are crazy um, because people are now realizing how important it is to have that digital experience, not only just for these millennials and, you know, Gen Z that are coming up, um, but really just so that they're not do everything in person, that they can still book weddings um, with, you know, distance um, and, you know, digital experience
0: right and are weddings still happening because for friends that i've had a lot of them had to postpone or cancel their wedding system so are weddings still hap- happening or are they just like really really small
1: they you know probably two two ways to look at this i would say you know on the coast are probably a little bit more conservative um in the pandemic so where we're based you know in the pacific northwest like no weddings happening but there are still weddings happening in you know middle america and some of you know other states, there they are still having some of the bigger weddings um, take place and have some social distancing measures that they're doing. But as a whole, I would say the majority. We we see the statistics get somewhere between eighty-five to eighty-seven percent of weddings in twenty twenty postponed to twenty twenty one. Now, what will be really interesting to watch um, what happens in 2021 is that some of these weddings, they had micro weddings. So they had, you know, under 20 people. Well, the average budget was still $14,000 for these micro weddings. And they're considered a completely separate event. People, you know, did maybe some food and beverage, some flowers. They kept it pretty small, but they still spent a lot of money. Their budget, you know, for the bigger reception, you know, maybe $40,000, $50,000, that's still intact, and that's still to be spent in 2021. So while, yes, you know, there wasn't a wedding season, um, about, I think, 76% of budgets remained the same or increased because of those micro weddings. So it'll just be interesting to see, you know, how the 2021 wedding season shakes out, and if people do still spend that full budget amount
0: yeah i i hope that that's the case and i hope that we have a wedding season in 2021 because i don't know nah, this this is this is going to air beginning of january This is going to air so i was january 2021 so right now when we're talking about it I, I don't know i mean the changes i guess we're starting to see changes and, and perhaps a vaccine but Who knows how things are going to shake out you never like i thought this thing was going to be over by the time summer rolled around in 2020 and it was not even remotely the case so um i'm definitely keeping my fingers crossed for the wedding season in 2021.
1: yeah yeah um we are too and you know just all live events i think that um it's just been super hard on on not only the wedding industry but so many industries that really thrive off of those in-person you know celebrations and, and events
0: Right, yeah, I mean, that's how we are, right? As humans, we like to hang out with others. And it's just been such a weird experience, it's a weird year for everyone. Uh, but yeah, I hope, I'm hoping that things will change in the new year. Um, just, uh, it's just, you never know how, like, this thing, <laughs> this thing has, trans- I did not expect this to be the case, honestly, like, speaking now <laughs> at the end of 2020, uh, it's just been, a weird experience and did not expect yeah. this to be the case at all. Um, so uh, one last question I usually like to ask uh, my podcast guests is, and we talked a little bit about this, I guess, touched upon the uh, predictions, but what is your prediction for the industry? And that could be your industry specifically, you know, talking about the wedding industry, but also it could be anything, terraforming Mars, AI, self-driving cars, Whatever you decide, it's more it's a very yeah. open-ended question. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, I, I love I love that question. You know, I think short term the industry is gonna bounce back from COVID. So, you know, 2021, there might still be some impacts, um, but people are going to continue getting married. They're gonna continue spending a lot of money, you know, couples plan, you know, and save for these weddings for years. So the industry will be back. Um, you know, some experts expect like a 33 to 40 percent growth in 2021 and that will trickle into 2022. To. So I think that's kind of like short term, um, you know, my my prediction, well, my hopeful prediction, I should say, is, is a bounce back. Long term, I think it's just going to be we're going to see more technology um, really driving into the wedding industry um, from you know 3d venue mapping to these virtual appointments um, to even a virtual aspect um, at some weddings. I think that's really going to be where the wedding industry heads um, long term. There are no technology companies that have um, come into the wedding space specifically built for the industry. I think it's really it's a hard vertical to, to enter into and figure out how to get to profitability because you know, it's a bunch of small to medium-sized businesses. So big companies, they don't necessarily see this big opportunity or this big marketplace. And I think that's really short-sighted. Um, you know, for for a couple reasons. So I think that as we watch some of these um, newer technology companies, us included, right? Let's hope. Um, I think that it's going to show some of the bigger companies that there is a way to, to produce technology for this industry. Um, there will be a way to, you know, monetize it on on some level. But it's a massive industry you know, in the US alone, but globally. And there, there's just a really big disconnect um, with how the industry is operating right now. And it's very outdated. So I, I would predict long term, we're just going to see a lot more technology, some of the bigger names um, entering into the space um, to try to get a little bit of a market share. An interesting Absolutely. statistic out there um, right now that no major, you know, contractor invoice company that is in the wedding industry has more than five percent of the market share right now. So I think that just goes to show like there's there there aren't these big companies that are coming in because it's such an unknown space, unknown vertical for some of the bigger names. And I think as, as we watch um, technology adapt and the younger generations come up, that's that's gonna change drastically.
0: I mean, I love everything that you're saying because I'm such a big technology. That's that's a big part of my mission of my business and just in general, I love technology. I think that's what's moving things along. And, and I of course, I work with a lot of businesses too that are more traditional. And I wouldn't say all of them are traditional, but a lot of them don't have a digital presence or don't use technology. And you know, part of Having a digital presence is also streamlining your business, and so that 's been a big piece of what we do and how we help our company companies that we work with uh, but one more question I did want to ask you um, i think that's kind of I think that would be pretty relevant to the audiences who are listening who potentially might be interested in creating their own software or going down that path. So it sounds like you didn't come from a technology background, right? You were a wedding planner. So tell me about your experience in creating software from someone who might not be very technologically savvy.
1: Yes, oh my gosh, it it has been and will continue to be an absolutely like wild ride. Um, as a non-technical co-founder, it was a steep learning curve in our like, first meeting with the agency that was creating our prototype. I probably had like four pages of words that I had to go home and Google, I was like, I don't even know what they're saying. Like I am in over my head, but I think what we learned in all of this is that the entrepreneur world is incredibly giving. And so people who have been in your shoes and walked, you know, that same road, they look back all the time to try and help pull you forward. So, you know, Getting to know people in your market that have you know, been entrepreneurs and it can be in a different industry, there is just so much to learn from somebody who has walked in those shoes before. So getting really good advisors, um, really good mentors, even before you get into the development is essential. You know, you can Google, you know, how do I start a company? And sure, it's gonna start with a, a business plan. But so many companies fail. If you can really do a good job in surrounding yourself with people who have been successful, your odds are going to skyrocket. You will be able to bounce ideas off of them. You will be able to, you know, use them as a resource, what worked, what didn't work. Um, And then a lot of it is just going to be trial and error. You have to be resilient as a entrepreneur. So, you know, you will hear no more than you hear yes. And you just have to take those no's as, you know, fire in your belly to keep doing and believing in your product.
0: Yes, I love that. That's definitely another takeaway from this conversation is um for someone like you who you know you mentioned you're like I went to this meeting, I had no idea what they were saying, and but you still moved on, right? You still pushed yeah. forward. You weren't this isn't gonna deter you from creating a software, even though you might not have a software or a technology background. You're like, well that's fine. This sucks and maybe I don't know a lot of it now, but I'll learn over time. But that's not gonna deter me from moving forward. Totally. I love that
1: you know we had so many that were like in you know in our like cheering for us i would say that the one big thing that we had to learn the hard way is we talked about fundraising and we talked about how to go out and raise money for the company and that was great we got really good advice but we never asked the question of when and that ended up really you know being a hard lesson to learn is that you as a you know entrepreneur if your business model ha- has to take on you know outside you have to fundraise early and all the time like that is going to be your primary objective Um, i think we we knew we were going to be fundraising and we started late and you know we ran out of money and we encountered like all of these hiccups and if we had just started earlier it's it takes you know probably six to eight maybe even up to a year to raise money so starting really early is just something that i wish that i had asked the question of when instead of like how or what or you know Um, when was, was the biggest thing that I missed as an entrepreneur?
0: Right. Absolutely. That's another key takeaway from this podcast episode is if you're looking to create a company, especially if you're looking to fundraise or, uh, find, find capital investment for software or something like that, then yeah, it's definitely, you have to consider when and how often you are fundraising because you can run out of runway. That happens all the time with tech companies is, They fundraise but even if they have some capital, they just maybe run out of runway and then things pause and then you have to start doing it again and and finding more capital until you are sufficient enough or so absolutely. I think this is a great point also to consider is uh, when you went to fundraise and that's a (laughs) I guess the point is, early and often, right? Vote yes. early, vote often. <laughs> yes, all the time, every yeah. time. <laughs> awesome, well, that was very insightful. Thanks for sharing that. I was very curious to know how you decided to go down that path, but also what was your experience like when it came to fundraising, not fund- well, fundraising, but also how to create a technology from someone who is not you know, very tech savvy. So uh, I'm sure that the people who are listening to this podcast would love to hear about that. Uh, because I'm sure a lot of them are also in the same boat. Um, So thanks so much for being here. This is super helpful. Uh, How can our audiences get in touch with you?
1: absolutely so um, our website is rockpapercoin.com you are welcome to reach out you can follow us on instagram rockpapercoin you um can also find us on facebook and then you know feel free to reach out to me directly my um, contact information is on the website i am now you know being one of those entrepreneurs that has has walked for a few years in these shoes and um the soles are are wearing thin but i do want to look back and i do want to help others so um any questions um anything that i can provide to somebody who's thinking about starting a company, please um, don't hesitate to reach out.
0: Great. Thank you so much, Elizabeth Shields. Great to have you on the show. Thank you.